your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 246 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. And today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your first order. While the Ottawa Senators have made it to double digits, unfortunately, it's in regulation losses. A 3-1 defeat to the Edmonton Oilers, the latest skid on this young season. But the good news is they don't have to wait long for a redemption. They play again tonight. But speaking of redemption, the revenge game was strong. Tyler Ennis, the game winner, will break down the entire game, hit on our Send Central standouts, and we have a roster move coming across the wire as I'm saying it. All that and Scott Wheeler, his prospect rankings have been coming out. We'll tell you where the Sens land on that. And another NCHC pod? Yes, but this time in Nodak. All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Tuesday, February 9th in Pilsy. Is there any hope that we can start this show with as much fireworks as last night's game? I don't think so, unless you want to drop the gloves and get into a couple virtual battles here. But two (laughs) fights right off the bat. That was a bit of a weird one for me, to be honest. Like the first one, okay, getting a fight going to start things off. And then the battle of the 44s happened after. That was a good tilt. And Apparently, uh, Goody got the better of that one because Matt Cassian, I think, is now on the injury reserve. At least he didn't return after uh, that fight for much more than one shift. So that was a good battle. Unfortunately, uh, they may have won the fisticuffs battle, but uh, the scoreboard didn't look so great for the Sens at the end of this one. A Freudian slip there. You said Matt Cassian. Of course, it's Zach Cassian. Matt, a former friend on this show, and he's been in a few tussles. Matt Cassian, that is, on that Canadian Tire Center ice. But you're right. The first fight, Austin Watson goes at Jujar Kara. I I thought Jujar Kara was kind of an interesting guy to be dropping the gloves. Not so much known as that as guys like Darnell Nurse and the aforementioned Zach Cassian. But when Cassian started beaking, it was at Brady Kachuk off of that next faceoff. And Goody's like, nuh-uh. You're not talking to Brady that way. I don't need Brady fighting that. I've seen what you've done to his brother before. I'm going to take care of this. And they were throwing haymakers. That might be, so far, the fight of the year. That was absolutely electric. And the refs even got in there a little early. Those They weren't done. They were still going. Yeah, that's what you love to see when when the refs kind of have their judgment and they're like, okay, we think they're done here. And they're like, no, 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 no. We, we got a little more to get out here. We're not finished just yet. The opposite of the Corey Perry from last weekend when he's tapping the ref on his shoulder saying, come get me, come get me. Goody's absolutely going to kill me. Imagine, and now you've seen the damage that Cabranson can do in a fight. If that was Corey Perry, we might be scraping him up off the ice. The game might still be delayed. But anyways, a little fireworks start the game. I know not everybody loves that, but hey, the Juju Kara Watson one, that didn't really do it for me when... But when you have two guys the size of Matt Cassian, now I'm doing it, Zach Cassian <laughs> and Erica Branson, like you just have to buckle up because that was an electric factory. You could tell both benches loved that. Neither of those guys made it to our Send Central standouts. Tough game otherwise 
for Gabranson uh, falling over himself, giving up that two on one and just all in all, not his best performance at all, but let's get into the goal. Cause it was a funny one. The opening goal for the, the third time this season, Pilsy, the Ottawa senators scored first in the game, but did they really, or are we counting this as an own goal for Adam Larson? It's definitely an own goal, but it's funny. The on the live look, you're like, "Daddy, finally!" Like getting uh, not quite a breakaway, but a good one-on-one battle. That he, it looks like he won the battle, and he roofs it for a goal. You're like, "Okay, that's the kind of skill we're looking for here." And then the replay shows that it was actually Adam Larson who shelved it on Mike Smith for the first goal of the game. And even daddy's reaction after you can tell he didn't score that goal. He didn't look like he was celebrating. He was just kind of, kind of gave the shoulder shrug and was like, all right, well, I'll, I'll take that one. And the thing that sucks about that is Brady Kachuk is the one that sets up that play. He does a nice little high flick that floats softly into the ozone. And that allows Dadanov to time it perfectly to uh, start that rush. But since it's the own goal, Brady doesn't get credited with the, the assist there. So that's a tough one for Brady. Yeah. When you see that Brady pass, you automatically think Tom Brady, right? Just the other night. So we tweeted out at Sand Central, you versus the Brady. She didn't tell you to worry about. And that was just an awesome pass landed right on the tape. And what I like to see, because Evgeny Dadnov's just looks simply small out there on the ice at all times. So to see him kind of lean on Larson and be able to win that body positioning battle was enough for me to say, you know what? Larson might've put the puck in the back of the net, but we'll give Dadnov credit for that. And it's always a weird one that starts a streak. So hopefully your locked on player from last night, Evgeny Dadnov can continue this goal scoring prowess because they're going to need him going forward. There's no question about that. The only problem with that though, Pills, is the lead didn't last long, 10 minutes, and then it's Leon Drysaddle again. How did they give that one up? Yeah, that was a tough one because the sense I thought I'd been playing like good checking hockey up to that point. And that's that's one where Eric Brandstrom, he's getting his legs back in the NHL and he simply gets out muscled by Dominic Cahoon out front and uh, Cahoon ends up getting the final poke at the puck uh, right in the slot. And that poke ends up going to an MVP winner in Leon Drysaddle, and you know he's gonna he's gonna make no mistake there. He goes five hole on Matt Murray to tie the game up there, and yeah, that's a tough play. But I don't really blame Murray on that because when it's Leon Drysaddle all alone on you in a quick instant like that, there's only so much you can do. And he played solid the rest of the game. I would have liked to see a little more muscle from Branstrom, but that's that's what you get when you have a offensive defenseman who's five foot 10 and in his early twenties. So you're, he's not going to win those battles much of the time, but interesting to see that uh, that's something that Branson is going to have to continue to keep working on here at the NHL level. Dry saddle is also like six, four, two twenty, like one of the bigger players in the NHL. And you mentioned an MVP candidate. He is uh, ridiculous. Really. He's on a 10 game point streak after that goal, his eighth of the season. It's uh quite remarkable it's almost as remarkable that ottawa held mcdavid to only one assist and it was on the empty net goal our friends at bet online their player prop for mcdavid to get an assist was minus 200 (laughs) which is ridiculous like nobody else was even in minus money everyone else was you risk that much you're at least going to win but with mcdavid you have to risk 200 to win 100 that's how un believably automatic he is at putting up points so anyone who bet on that even though it's terrible odds you had to sweat it out but with a minute and 10 seconds that comes through however the reason why there was an empty net in the first place 
was the revenge game factor. We heard it going into the Montreal game. Could Galchenyuk have that revenge game? But joke's on us because Tyler Ennis, the former senator of, what, 50 games last year, he comes back to the CTC and gets the game winner. Yeah, that's another tough one, too, because that's another five-hole goal on Matt Murray. Both the goals he allowed were hard five-hole shots, and Ennis had a really nice game, I thought. He hit the crossbar uh, in another point of the game, and yeah, scores the game winner there. That's a guy that I really wish, obviously, you had to trade him at the deadline, but I thought Ottawa might be interested in bringing him back in the offseason, because he's a little water bug out there, and he's a guy that can... I thought he played really well with Drake Batherson. Uh, he creates offense. He's smart defensively. You know, he's a small, speedy, offensively talented guy. And I even thought maybe the Sens would put a claim on him when the Oilers put him on waivers. But then where does he fit in the lineup and all this stuff? So it doesn't really work. But a nice game for Tyler Ennis there. Unfortunately, puts the game away against the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, he gets his first goal of the season there. And now I'm just nervous that it's going to be Kyle Turris doing the same thing tonight. (laughs) Although he's been invisible, man. Like if you told me Kyle Turris played for the Oilers, I would ask what year because I haven't seen him this year. (laughs) Yeah, only 10 minutes for uh, Kyle Turris. And that's in a game where they already lost a forward after only 33 seconds. So uh, tough times, I guess, for Kyle Turris. But he's making what on his buyout? Like $5 million for the next five years, I think. No, it's even longer. Like, I think it's it's like $3 million for the next, like, 10 years. Like, that was a massive buyout. Like, that, I, I was shocked that they bought him out. But now you're looking at Kyle Terrace's game, and you're like, they had to. You couldn't keep paying this guy that much. I got it right here. Kyle Terrace will make $2 million per year. So I was a little wrong on that. But all the way through 2027. So he's Oof. going to be paid. Over the next, and funny enough, that's actually just as far as Cap Friendly's uh, chart goes. Yeah, I think it goes years. farther, honestly. Yeah, yeah, it might be, but that's uh, that's the situation that Kyle Turris is in right now—a fall from grace for sure. But hey, he had he had great years in his prime, and hey, that's just kind of Father Time remaining undefeated. But uh, I don't I don't know about Father Time with Mike Smith. I felt Ottawa could have done a better job getting bodies to the front of the net. He's a big goalie; he's like six five. When he can see pucks. He can stop them, and that's something that Ottawa really did not do last night. What can they do? I'm assuming they're going to go to Koskinen tonight, although uh, nothing's been confirmed yet as we're recording at 10.30 here on Tuesday morning. But why were they unsuccessful getting more bodies towards Smith and really pouncing on more rebounds? I think it was just they they fell flat after the first period. Like We talk about it every, every game. They haven't played a full 60 minutes probably since the opening night. Uh, it's, it's tough when you're up against teams with high caliber offensive players and you don't play a full 60, if they get their chances and bury them like dry saddle did, you're not going to come up with a win here. And they just didn't have enough energy in the second and third period. And Ross, we talked about it. We thought that was going to be an advantage on the side of the senators because dry saddle McDavid had just played like five and a half minutes of the final minutes of the game. Uh, earlier they were tired there's a back-to-back coming up here we thought the energy level was going to be a massive advantage for the senators it proved not to be in this case yeah i have one more gripe and i don't even know if i really want to go here because he's in an unfair position going up against unbelievable centers every single night but these last four five games josh norris has looked a lot more like a prospect than a top line center Is it time 
the panic or is this just a lull that you'd expect any young player to go through? No, it's not time to panic. And I mean, like, really, Josh Norris is a year ahead of schedule in my eyes. So like the fact that he's even here and is producing and looks decent most nights is is a big testament to his development. And I think maybe having him as your top line center was a little bit of a, of a high hopes and the goals were set a little too high to start. But I definitely think if you can shift him more to second line minutes, that he can still be successful in this league. And yeah. It's going to be slow development. It's going to be tough, painful nights like this for Josh Norris. But I think overall, the big picture of Josh Norris, he's looking pretty solid considering the circumstances he's being put in. The reason I say that as well, he played a season, I should say career low, 13 minutes and 34 Mm -hmm. seconds last night. And he did get that assist in the last game on the power play against Montreal, but just three points, eight games, minus three uh, since, since January 25th. And, because he had that hot start, right? He was playing up 16, 17 minutes a game, but that's really drawn back a little bit. And now with the rumors that Belleville will start in the next week, you got to wonder if maybe a decision will be made to go down for a couple of games or if you're just going to battle through. And the same could be said for Drake Batherson, a guy with just one goal. And I keep hammering a bet online that he's going to get a three-point night. I'm sticking with it. I'm doubling down on that tonight. But he missed on that opportunity early in the game. You think if that goes in, he's right on the doorstep, gets a couple whacks at it. Honestly, maybe the closest that Ottawa got to crashing the crease all all game. It just seemed like they weren't able to get in Mike Smith's kitchen. But when Drake Batherson misses that first opportunity, I felt like the the wheels kind of came off. And we've seen that before in his confidence level. And how can he maintain this high confidence when the puck's not going in the net for him? And he's not really setting up plays as well. We know Drake more of a playmaker than a finisher. Yeah, and I think with Drake though, the good thing is, is he's a good two-way center, so or uh, two-way winger. So you can he can be involved in the game without getting offensive touches. Like I still think he's playing the body well. I still think he's forechecking and backchecking well. I, I didn't notice a whole lot of them other than those kind of chances you just described there. But with Drake, you got to keep playing physical. That's your that's your game now. You've got the size. You've got the two-way ability. Don't let people bully you out there. You got to start being one of the bullies out there, especially when you're playing on a line where it's more offensively uh, talented guys and you got to be the guy that's going to be responsible defensively. So I think still Drake is going to go through kind of these growing pains too, as this will really be his first true full season, I believe. Uh, There's not a chance he's getting sent down to Belleville. So through the growth of this season, we're going to see how Drake's fully developed and if he can do those things he did so well in Belleville up at the NHL level. Oh, yeah. I want to be clear. There's no way that I would send Drake Patterson down to Belleville. But with Josh Norris, just because he is two years younger than Drake and he only has that one year of experience, he's a guy who I think maybe could benefit. But at the same time, I could see the argument otherwise. And I'll finish off saying something nice about Josh Norris as well because I do like what he's brought as a whole this year. It's just the last couple of games – Kind of as Aleem's Martian said, our buddy on Twitter, he's kind of wearing the invisibility cloak. But can you really blame him? His last games, he's going up against Philip Dano. He's going up against Connor McDavid. And that's a lot to ask for a player of his age and of his experience. But what he has improved on is his work in the faceoff circle. Seven of his last eight games, he's been over 50%, which you couldn't say in his first eight games. It was quite the opposite. And I think he's put in the work and 
he's always seemingly the guy after practice when you see the little media notes that it's Stutzla and Norris that are staying out for that extra skill work. So I think long-term, Josh Norris, he's going to be fine, but you've brought up Logan Brown to this taxi squad. Josh Norris, one of the guys who doesn't need waivers to get to the taxi squad, even if it's just for a game. I, I think you need to get Logan Brown in, and of course the easy play would be to take Stepan out. But right now, the Senators' roster is full, so they would have to make a roster move of one of the guys put on waivers and then wait a full day for them to clear until you could bring up a guy like Logan Brown. We'll tell you about another roster move that just happened, but first, we'll let's tell you about our friends at Bet Online. You know them as the one place that has you covered and the one place that we trust when it comes to sports wagering. It's betonline.ag. I've been on a bit of a heater, not to brag, except for my Drake Batherson pick, the Super Bowl. Nailed that one. The Leafs, I know, I know it's terrible to say, but they have been dominating the Vancouver Canucks. Maybe more so, the secret here is to bet against the Vancouver Canucks. They let in goals in quick succession, and they have been tough to watch this season. But BetOnline has the best odds for all your sports wagering needs. And you can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. Use our promo code locked on, gets you a 50% welcome bonus. And that's just free money for you to have Pilsy's parlay of the day. Pilsy, your parlay of the day has been buzzing recently. Couple wins, and then you gave the pick of the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. What is next for this wagon? Yeah, it, it was a little hot streak there for me. Unfortunately, I cooled down the parlay of the day. Neither of the games worked out. So that was a bit of a heat check on that one. So we'll uh, we'll be conscious of that. So tonight, Edmonton Oilers, Ottawa Senators. Before this series, last series, we saw a lot of goals scored. I think with Koskinen and Hogberg back in the net, we could see that again. And probably, I think that was a tight-checking game last night. We're going to see a little bit more of a loose style in the second back-to-back game here. So I'm hitting the over at 6.5. That's going to get you minus 108 odds. Not too bad there. And then I'm sticking with the Stanley Cup champs, the Tampa Bay Lightning, up against the Nashville Predators. Nashville started the season off pretty strong, but then they had that terrible game against the Dallas Stars where they lost 7-0 in the Stars season opener. I had Nashville to win that game, puck line, (laughs) just uh, so everyone knows. So I'm not trusting Nashville anymore. They can't score goals. I don't know what's up with that team. So we're going to hit the Tampa Bay money line, which is minus 160, which for Tampa Bay money line, it's pretty good odds. So over six and a half sends Oilers, Tampa Bay money line. Put 10 bucks into that parlay. You're going to win $21.30. That's Pilsy's parlay of the day. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the action and don't forget the promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. It's Bet Online, your online sports book experts. All right, Pilsy, still lots of great conversation ahead scott wheeler's prospect rankings we'll dive into that the und bubble we'll tell you how that's going to work in the nchc and then we're going to preview tonight's game our locked on player our lookout player and our keys to victory before we do that a roster note joey decord has been sent down to belleville off the taxi squad philip gustafson goes from that belleville sends lineup up to the taxi squad we told you last friday to expect the Senators, the B-Sens, that is, to play in Laval this upcoming weekend. And now C.J. Stevenson from uh, from the Athletic Ottawa, he's now doubling down on that as well. So can we expect Joey Decord in the Belleville crease as soon as this Friday? Well, first off, 
finally, we're getting some news about the Belleville Senators. The American Hockey League is going on. We're seeing Zegris and all these guys light it up in the AHL, and we haven't heard a peep about what's going on in Canada. Hey, you know what's fun about this and the scoring leaders in the AHL? It's just all young players because they're yeah. exempt from going since the WHL and the Q and the OHL. They're not underway right now. Are we going to see Ridley Gregg suit up with Belleville as well? The most forgotten first-round pick in hockey history. Well, I don't know if we'll see Ridley Gregg or not. That'll be interesting. But I think he could crack the Belleville lineup. So I wouldn't be shocked if we did. And Igor for sure. Yeah, Igor Hondo. Hondo Igor is getting in there. And Ross, to to your point about the young guys lighting it up, you also got to consider each team has about four fringe NHLers on their taxi squad. So those are guys who are older, more experienced, bigger, stronger, that aren't going to be factoring into these AHL games like they usually would because those fringe NHLers are usually top six AHL guys. So there's a lot of uh, offense being taken out of the league there. So that's going to be interesting to watch. I want to get back to the uh, goalie roster moves here. So Joey Decord gets sent down. Gustafson back up to the taxi squad. I actually think what this means is they're trying to get Gus in game shape. They're going to have him practicing hard in the taxi squad with some of these veteran guys. Uh, get a little, I'm not sure what the practice deal is. If the Belleville centers are even practicing, what's going on there? So yeah, think- they're practicing at the Sensplex right now in Ottawa. Okay, so that's good. At least they're being conditioned. But I think I think they're getting Gustafson ready to go, and then they're going to make that switch and bring Decord back up and have Gus starting games because I think if there's one guy that you can afford to have not playing regularly, it's probably Joey Decord. I think he's a sharp enough guy, and he's the elder statesman of the group, uh, which is funny to say for a 24-year-old. But I think you got to get Gustafson in the games here. So get him up to the taxi squad, get him practicing a little harder with some of the NHL vets, then send him back down for the start of the season, I think. So who plays an NHL game first, Joey Decord or Philip Gustafson? Decord. Decord, yeah, I'd agree with that as well. It's just smarter for him to go down and and really get into some game action first because he's been up with the club. He's been getting NHL shots. And again, he just had that one year in the AHL. It was a really good one. but half a year. Yeah, true. I mean, people forget starting in Brampton last year, this is quite the rise for Joey Decord, although not enough. To make his way up Scott Wheeler's list, I was very surprised at that. We're going to have Scott on our show Friday. He's a recurring guest now. He was on with us during the summer in the lead-up to the NHL draft. We really respect his opinion. Make sure you go read it. We've retweeted it at Send Central. The prospect rankings, he's been counting down. Like What I want to ask him is how much work goes into this because he does 31 of these. and It took me a good 25 minutes just to read through this one. So you got to imagine the work that goes in over 20 prospects analyzed for every single team. So that in itself is impressive. So there's going to be a mistake or two along the way, Scott. We're not ripping on you, but Joey Decord is the third goalie prospect behind Sogart and Mandalise. I thought that was a bit rich. Well, I'm more confused of the fact that Joey Decord doesn't meet the criteria. He's a 24-year-old and all these prospects are supposed to be as of January 1st, 2021, 23 and under. So that's one we're going to have to ask Scott about there. But yeah, like you said, the work that this guy does with all these uh, different teams, prospect pools, and like, to, I bet most of these experts could probably get each team's prospects one through 10 
nailed and have good stats in them. But then you're really fishing for some of these uh, Stanley Cup contenders. Their prospects from 10 to 20 are low down there. So kudos to Scott for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And with Ottawa, we had to wait to get it because they came in at number three in the entire National Hockey League, the third best system. Only the LA Kings and New York Rangers were unsure of the order as of recording are ahead of them. And that in itself is super impressive. And it's even more so when you consider that seven players from their top 20 in last year's edition of this article are gone. Jonathan Gruden, Max Lajoie, Rudy Balsers, Marcus Nermi, Philip Schlappick, Jonathan Davidson, and J.C. Bodang. Those final three have just aged out of this. They're still with the organization. The other four are not, but they're replaced with one of the deepest draft classes you could have. We'll run through the order here, and he stresses that from two to six, it's interchangeable. We're going to try to press him on that on Friday a little bit, but he's got Tim Stutzla ranked number one, Drake Batherson at number two. He's got Eric Branch from three, Josh Norris at four. Here's the surprise for me. Now, a pair of note accents here. Jake Sanderson at five, Shane Pinto at six. I'm going to stop there, although he does have JBD at seven. So the note accents three in a row. But like he said, that second tier ends at number six. How is the fifth overall pick in the draft fifth on this prospect list? Well, you also, if you take a look at the end of his article, he has the ages beside all of them. He's the youngest by a mile out of uh, the top two, right? He's 18 years old. The rest are all 20 and over. So I think maybe you you just haven't seen enough of Jake Sanderson yet to kind of give him that full stamp of approval. But you also have to remember, as he stressed, he wouldn't have a problem interchanging any of those. So I don't think it's it's fair to really harp on that. Remember right after the draft, though, we had an episode. It was even called Getting Mad at Liss. Yeah. He had Jake Sanderson as the 49th best drafted prospect. And that remember that? We, yeah. had, we had to give our head a shake. So we're going to ask him about that as well. But Jake Sanderson, we're just loving what we're seeing from him. No Dak, we do have some news about them later on. But is that about the order that you would have had these guys in as well? Yeah, pretty similar. I think uh, I'm I'm admittedly a little lower on Drake Batherson than I think a lot of people. I think out of the from two to six, Drake Batherson would probably be at the bottom of that list for me, to be honest, whereas he has him as the top guy behind Stutzla. Wow, that's that's interesting. I didn't know that about you. It might change my opinion, but whatever. I mean, he's only our first guest on the show. You're not even going to give him a tire pump for that? Uh, hey, I'm still saying he's top five for sure. But to be second mm-hmm. behind Tim Stutzler, Ross, you're you're crying over here that a fifth overall pick is is that low when you got uh, Drake Batherson, which what was he fourth rounder? So if you're going by uh, where they they were selected in the draft, that kind of throws your whole argument out the window. Yeah, true. Jake Sanderson's two for me. Uh, Drake Batherson's third, uh, and then I've got Eric Branstrom at four. But that's just my list. We're talking about Scotts. Who would be your biggest mover, whether up or down, on Scott's list? Well, I actually think Scott uh, did pretty well here. Like I would say, overall, he he nailed where I would have most of the guys. Probably my biggest gripe is where he has Lassie Thompson at number 11. I think maybe you could get Yarventi ahead of him and uh, maybe even guys like Clevin Sogard, I think could uh, be better than Lassie Thompson. But again, Lassie Thompson, right-hand shot defenseman. There's a lot of value to be had there. And 
Scott Wheeler does mention in the article that he really believes that Lassie Thompson's game will translate much better to North American ice as it did really effectively when he was with the Kelowna Rocket of the WHL. So that there could be something to be said there and maybe he moves up. And then JBD, I think, was a little high for me, but really I think I would only switch move JB down, JBD down from seven and have Logan Brown and Formanton ahead of him. So not too many serious gripes here. Yeah, I think Formanton and Logan Brown probably ahead of JBD for me, at least just because they bring more excitement to the game. They bring more events, I should say, whereas you know what you're going to get, and it's good with JBD. You know that it's going to be a steady presence, but when I'm when I'm looking for a prospect, I'm looking for a wow factor, and simply the skating ability and the improvement in the rest of Alex Formanton's game gives me reason to believe that he's going to be a guy who can go and be the third best player on a top six line or the best player on a bottom six line. And that to me has so much value that for me, he ends that second tier at six. I would push it down to seven and have Formanton as number seven on mine, just because of, yeah, all the different elements that he can bring to a game, but all in all a great article. I would implore everyone to go to the athletic, read it, go through it. There's tons of video involved and, including on Robbie Yarventi. And I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, 12, 13, 14, 15, all drafted within 20 picks of each other in the 2020 draft. He goes Yarventi, Ridley, Greg, then the end of that tier, then Sokolov and the K train in the start of that final tier. So I thought it was kind of funny that they all bunched up in an order there, but nonetheless, some great reading material from Scott Wheeler, who is uh, truly one of the best of uh Maybe you don't agree with him all the time. I know he loves his small skill players, but uh, at the same time, a, a great writer as well. So we're looking forward to talking to him on Friday. And until we get to there, the Sens have a couple more games to get to. And hey, before we move on, actually, how is Angus Crookshank not an honorable mention after that four-goal performance? If I was Wheeler, that four-goal performance happened, I'd be like, okay, uh, Parker Kelly or Yakov Novak. Like, it's not like he's doing a write-up on these guys. Just take him off the honorable mention and throw on our boy Angus. Well, you got to leave Yakov Novak on there. Hobie Baker nominee. You can't take him off there. But yeah, maybe you switch uh, Parker Kelly off there and give Angus a little shine for sure. Well, those guys in the honorable mentions, if they want to get up, to the big leagues, they got to bulk up. And how do they do that? With a Built Bar, of course. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Comes in 16 amazing flavors, too. The best part about Built Bar, in my opinion, except for how great it makes you feel, it's the variety that you're never eating the same flavor over and over. They all have 100% real chocolate as the covering, but the flavors are just unbelievable. 16 different, as I mentioned. Eight come in chocolate nut. Eight are chocolate, but... They're not free. There's a variety of flavors. We'll get to Pillsy's pick of the week in just a minute. But Built Bars, they're great for the health-conscious guy or girl. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in this delicious treat. They come low in calorie, low in sugar, yet high in protein and high in fiber. It's exactly what you want to see nutritionally from your Built Bar and your protein bars in general. Pillsy, I had my mint brownie this morning. What is your pick of the week? Well, I'm happy to announce Built Bar. You know they already got 16 amazing flavors. Ross told you about that. But they got a new flavor they're rolling out here. This is going to be a limited time only. I actually got my Built Bar box. Built Bar, love them. They send a surprise box to me so I could tell you guys all about it. It's Coconut Brownie Chunk. 
Do you love coconut? Uh, yeah. Do you love brownies? Uh, yeah. And we know you love Built Bar. So why not get it all together? A Built Bar coconut brownie chunk protein bar, 150 calories, 15 grams of protein, 7 grams of sugar, 100% real chocolate. Go get one today. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your first order. All right, Pilsy, before we get to tonight's preview, let's talk some NCHC. We always hear about the Ralph, the facility at North Dakota. It's the best in college hockey. It is an NHL facility. Well, it's now going to host the NCHC playoffs. And when you hear playoff bubble, you're like, oh, my God, like a full NHL playoff style. Is it going to be that long? No, it's single elimination in the NCHC. It's going to be just under a week long. On the line, a guaranteed spot in the NCAA tournament. Oh, yeah, you got to love it. And, hey, if you're UND, the chance to play at home for the championship, the NCHC championship, is massive. I love the single elimination tournament style. That's going to be so exciting. And you got to think UND is feeling pretty good about that. They can beat any opponent at any given night. And the best part of it all, Ross, championship game is on my birthday st patty's day march 17th und will win the championship and your ottawa senators will beat the vancouver canucks that same night and i'll be having a good time that's for sure so you're saying north dakota has to wear the green unis on on that game got it got it but i mean then you're looking at the you're staring at those stats when they're in black and that's hard to ignore but you got to get the luck of the irish on your side on st patty's day for the championship game that's for sure UND has not won the NCHC tournament since the league formed in 2013-14. They were the favorite last season, but the playoffs were wiped out due to the pandemic. So the Penrose Cup is on the line. What's great about this as well is that they're going to have a week to rest after this tournament. And then the NCAA tournament starts March 26th. We've already told you the championship game for the NCAA tournament is two days before the NHL trade deadline, something to have in the back of your mind. If you're not only a fan, but if you're Pierre Dorian, because you might have a trio, maybe even a courtlet, if the K train can somehow hop into pro hockey. Although let's pump the brakes. Let's get his development on the proper track, right at UND, take that upper echelon spot and maybe sends Reddit a little out of control, but we're getting DM saying that Jake Sanderson wants to leave school for pro hockey. So take that with two grains of salt, but Hey, the DMs, they can be right sometimes. Yeah, I don't know about that, but that, that would be a massive move. I, and I think Jake Sanderson could handle it, but I'm, uh, I'm preaching patience once more, and uh, we got to get another season at UND for Jake Sanderson. All right, so let's say a pair could turn pro with Shane Pinto Absolutely. and Jacob Bernard Docker. So those guys will be reinforcements on the way eventually whenever they get to Ottawa. But until then, make sure you're following along the NodeAccents hashtag on Twitter and us, of course, at Send Central. You can download the podcast wherever you get yours. Make sure you subscribe. We've had a nice tick in reviews this week, and we do appreciate that. They do not go unnoticed. So if you don't mind taking a couple seconds and leaving one on Apple Podcasts or, again, wherever you get yours. Pilsy, we've got another game. Back-to-back, two wins, 10 losses, one overtime loss. How can the Senators get that vaunted third win of the season? Well, my key to victory is I want the Ottawa Senators 
to be creating chaos. Now, what I mean by that is when you get a puck on net, don't just let it be a puck that hits Koskinen in the chest. It's smothered, quick whistle, nothing going on. Get in his kitchen, get sticks on there, try to get low shots for rebounds. And then creating chaos doesn't just count offensively, defensively. Get back there for the back check. Disrupt the McDavid and dry settle zone entries. you got to start making the Edmonton Oilers hesitate. They need to be thinking twice when they're getting ready to make a quick play out of the zone. they got to be worried about that hit coming. Now you don't have Zach Cassian in the lineup. There's one more <laughs> intimidating factor you don't have to worry about. Make them pay for it. Make them worried about that. This is what the this Ottawa Senators team has been built to do. They're not going to out-talent teams. They're not going to score highlight reel goals. They need to start creating chaos to throw these talented guys off their games and get those garbage goals when they get the opportunities. And God damn it, if Connor Brown doesn't score on the next breakaway he gets, I'm going to lose my absolute mind because it is every single game this guy gets the best scoring chance for the senators and he simply just shoots it on net no deke no no moving side to side no nothing so we got to get connor brown working on that for sure 100 percent. i even saw there's a gear nerd on twitter and they tweeted out that connor brown at least in practice has gone back to his bower sticks from sherwood so a little saber metric there maybe the new stick Still not doing him any favors as last night. The uh, Connor Condra comparisons are too much to handle. I got some bad news for you. Well, maybe bittersweet news. Let's put it this way because Christian Willannon will return. This is coming across the wire right now for tonight. But Eric Brandstrom is out day to day. He'll be out seven to 10 days. Took a big hit from Josh Archibald last night, played through it, but. He's out. So that's a pretty bittersweet news coming across because we were waiting. Something had to happen for Landon to come back. This is a pretty unfortunate circumstance. I'm taking the bitter more than the sweet with this, Ross, because yet again, another bump in the road for Eric Brandstrom. This has been a tough season for him. Getting over here wasn't easy. Playing over in Europe wasn't easy. He finally gets the coach's trust. We hear that story about DJ Smith pulling Branstrom aside to talk to him and say, hey, we had a plan for you and you're looking good. This is all working out. Branstrom was all smiles. And I thought he looked a little rough last game. He didn't play a lot of minutes. And like I said, he got out muscled on the puck for that dry settle goal. So this just sucks for him because he was finally building some momentum. And Will Annan, great to have him back. But man, for, for the franchise to get slowed up again like this to start the season is tough news for sure. Yeah, it is tough news. Oh, man, that's uh, right when he started getting his feet underneath him. So that's too bad. But that doesn't change my key to tonight's victory, and that is to score first. They did it last night, but they still surrendered. I just think the young teams, they play so much better when they have the lead. So if they can get bodies to the net early, get some traffic and create havoc, as you're saying, in front of the crease and then pot one or two, And they just played so much calmer. That game against Montreal after those two first period goals, those were the best last 40 minutes that they've played all season. They they just had this composure to them. And you're not always going to see that from a young team. But when it happens, it's always because they've had the lead. Otherwise, they're chasing the play. They're trying to make things happen a little too much. So that's mine is to get on the board first. They did it again, like I said, the third time this season. Let's get that one more time. They've still yet to win a game. When scoring first, they're oh two and one when they score first. So riddle me that on uh, on something that uh, 
a stat that jumps off the page and is a little shocking. So that's my key to a victory. And a player that I'm going to be watching for in terms of the Ottawa Senators is Drake Batherson. We already touched on it earlier. He's got the great touch on the power play. He's a solid player, but he needs to do more in terms of getting to the front of the net consistently. He's got a big body. Use it. Use it. He's throwing hits. We like to see that. Keep up on the forecheck. But when the play is in the offensive zone, on the cycle, I want Drake to sneak down low a lot more. Use his touch right around the net. A little, you know, a, a bumper pass if it's out front and a one touch. I just want to see him get to the net tonight. And as I said, I'm going to bet online. I'm putting in that three points or more for Drake Batherson tonight. I think he does it. Yeah, uh, Drake Batherson, I don't know about his goal scoring ability, but his vision has really been apparent in the NHL, especially on the power play. His ability to get pucks through the seam, through the slot, and uh, either find, usually it's Stutzla or Norris on that far side, has been really good. And I like him on the point on the power play. He was playing the point when the Sens pulled their goalie late in the third period there. I actually like that move by DJ Smith too. Two minutes, 21 seconds pulling the goalie. The Sens had a lot of ozone time. I thought they controlled the play. Unfortunately, it ends up going in their own net later on. Josh Archibald, but not much you can do there. For my locked on player, I'm going to Marcus Hogberg. We got to stick in the crease. Marcus Hogberg, he's got a tall task now. Before, he was kind of... He was kind of the second option because Matt Murray was struggling. Well, now look out. Matt Murray's last three games, he's an average save percentage of 0.942. So he is no longer in question. He's been absolutely rock solid. So now we got to see Marcus Hogberg back that up as a backup goalie. He's got to say, I can be just as good as Murray. When, when you guys have to turn to me in the crease, you shouldn't be any less confident than if we were going with our starter. And I thought Hogberg's been all right. Sure, look at the numbers, look at the score, look at the way those games have turned out. Not great at all for Hogberg, but I can't blame him on a lot of those goals. So I want to see Hogberg have a bounce-back game and get both these goalies uh, smiling in a confident mood and uh, give Pierre Gru some, uh, something to be rewarded by getting these goalies back in shape here. Yeah, still unconfirmed who's starting for Ottawa, but you got to think on the second half of back-to-back, it will be the two goalies who did not play last night. Although we saw earlier in the season, Ottawa going to... Murray back-to-back games. I think it's best to get Hogberg involved. He's played five games, only three starts, and he's 0-4 on the season with an 844 save percentage. So you got to get that pumped up at least a little bit. Get some confidence involved in his game. Who are you looking out for on the other side going into tonight's game? Well, both of us got former Senators to look out for, and I'm looking out for the guy who had an incredible game last game, Tyler Ennis. Like, I forgot how much of a water bug this guy is out there. He creates offense, and get him with a guy, uh, a skilled guy like Drysaddle or McDavid, someone that can draw defenders towards him and give Ennis some space. He can rush up the either wall and head to the net hard, and I really liked what I saw from Tyler Ennis. Like I said earlier, that's a guy I miss. I don't see how he fits into the Sens lineup today, but that's a guy I missed watching for the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, so do I. I also miss watching Kyle Turris. I mean, this guy had three overtime playoff game-winning goals, and he gave Sens fans a lot of reasons to smile. And I think recently, though, it's it's been tough for him in his career. He's played 740 games. Eh? Like That's pretty, pretty wild. But I'm going to look out for him just because I haven't noticed him at all in the four games that Ottawa – or the three games, rather, that Ottawa and Edmonton have played this year. And I just think he's going to get a sneaky one tonight. And I hope he doesn't. But I would not be surprised if the revenge game 
is true. He's still looking for his first career goal against Ottawa, and tonight will be his 11th game playing against the Sens. So I'm going to keep my eye out for Kyle Turris this evening. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And hey, if Kyle Turris scores, not a big deal because we got the over in Pilsy's parlay of the day, Ross. <laughs> a little silver lining for sure, Pilsy. Well, a very important game for the Senators. I think they all are right now because you got to climb out of this. Just for the sake of morale in the locker room, they're at double-digit losses. The first team in the NHL to reach that mark this season. It's time for a win. Yeah, and it's tough, too, when you start seeing the charts that the Sens now have a better chance at first overall than the Seattle Kraken. That's oh. not what you wanted to see to start the season like this. Goddamn. I know. and In a draft where there's no clear-cut number one yet, yeah, we don't even know when the draft is going to be. Everything is up in the air at this point. Maybe there's going to be a breakout star. The only problem is, as of right now, it doesn't seem like the year to tank. However, a top-four pick is a top-four pick no matter how you slice it and especially with the Kraken coming in you could finish second last but draft fifth because of course the Kraken entering the league so if Ottawa can cement last place maybe long term it is a benefit but for our fans out there we want some victories especially for us as we're back tomorrow to break that all down for Brandon Piller I'm Ross Levitan this has been the Locked On Senators podcast your team every day